Hey guys, and welcome to episode 262 of Built on Passion. I'm your host, Matt Delabuono, and today we have on Local Laundry co-founders, Dustin Paisley and Connor Curran. Local Laundry is an apparel brand based in Calgary, Canada, that goes far beyond fashion and fabrics. If anything, it's a movement or a community first, supported by the wonderful apparel that they make. Local Laundry was created around the question, what if clothing can bring people together? Ironically enough, that was the thought that Connor had while studying abroad in Sweden, right before seriously having it out with his washing machine. In any event, despite Local Laundry primarily being an apparel brand, community and expression are two major keystones that fully drive the soul of what it was built to become, a community and a platform of self-expression. From where they source their fabrics to their manufacturing and even the brands that they collaborate with, everything about Local Laundry is rooted in community and connectivity. While Local Laundry makes incredible clothing, it gets way more interesting beyond the hoodies and hats. It might be their goal of raising $1 million for local communities by 2030, or the countless partnerships and connections to the community where they've dug their roots. But there's a magic that exists deep within the company that starts to really become captivating when you look beyond the surface. More importantly, Dustin and Connor show just how important it is to truly breathe life and soul into a company. The ideals behind their brand are actually an extension of something that they believe in. And that's made all the difference in not just their brand identity, but their impact on their customers and the relationships that they've made over the years. In this episode of Built on Passion, Dustin Paisley and Connor Curran share how they cultivated such a strong community, the power of relationships and where they can lead you, and their how and why behind starting Local on. Connor, Dustin, thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having us. Excited to be here. Excited to have you guys. So I guess to start, who is Dustin Paisley and Connor Curran? Dustin, start her off. Great question. So Connor and I are the founders of Local Laundry. Local Laundry is a company based up here in Canada, and we make Canadian-made garments for social good. Awesome. So how did you guys start this? Where did Local Laundry start? How did you dream up the idea of this? Yeah, local laundry was actually started all the way in northern Sweden, of all places. I was uh, doing my master's there, and it was there that I really wanted to, to kind of devote my life to entrepreneurship, if you will, at the risk of sounding grandioso. But it was there that I really kind of started to contemplate what is clothing and how it can be kind of this platform to express, you know, not only your values, but what's important to you, but either on a conscious or subconscious level. And, you know, no business getting into the clothing game or e-commerce or fashion world, if you will. I mean, I terrible fashion sense still do to this day, but I was just kind of enamored with the idea that maybe clothing could kind of bring people together. Everyone seems to come around, you know, craft beer and local beer and local food and supporting local farmers and organic and, and all that kind of stuff. I said, what if clothing could have the same effect? So after having a nasty bout with my tiny Swedish washing machine, I decided, well, what if we could make clothing? That was truly local. What if your laundry could be local. And that's where the idea was kind of born. And I just did what any person does who has a crazy half brain idea and just Google searched uh, how to make a t-shirt company, watched a YouTube video. And a couple hours later, I had an online t-shirt company and it just kind of snowballed from there. You know, we really wanted to build something that we could grow, but that could be a vehicle to give back, to connect with others, to really build community. And that's exactly what it did, right? I moved back from Sweden, met Dustin. Dustin, you know, he turned us into a big boy company. 
put it, all the efficiencies, processes, processes in place. And now we're four full-time, one part-time, going strong, and we're taking the world over one t-shirt at a time with a goal to donate over a million dollars by 2030 to local charities across Canada and to make socially conscious garments, garments that make you look good, but also feel good as well. I think that's so incredible. I mean, usually I feel like, you know, there's a lot of clothing brands out there that anyone can put together a logo, an interesting image, throw it on a t-shirt and call it a day, but there's no staying power in that. Nailing down the community, like dreaming that up first, I feel like you start yourself off knowing that you can take that somewhere. Community will never go out of fashion. Touches pretty much on everything. So in terms of the whole staying local thing, what was the steps there to cultivate that. Obviously, you know, you started going to the production of figuring out how you wanted to craft your garments. Did you start, I guess, with the production side of it, or did you start reaching out to different organizations and trying to put together some sort of deeper thing? I know you guys do work with a few different local businesses as well. We do, yeah. It all started with reaching out to the right manufacturing partners. Connor and I wouldn't know our way around a sewing machine if it had instructions. So it was probably best to try and find the experts out there in Canada who are already doing this, right? And so many of them have been doing it for decades and decades. One of our main manufacturers, you know, they were around in the 80s and 90s as a jean manufacturing company, and now they do casual wear and supply a lot of our garments. And so they've been around for decades. They have a ton of experience. And so that's where it started was starting to reach out to some of these partners. It wasn't easy. You know, as you can imagine, most of manufacturing jobs, most manufacturing companies went out of business when most countries kind of opened their floodgates to imports. Fun little stat that Connor will share is the statistics of how many clothes are actually made overseas and imported into the country, which is quite incredible. But it really was just starting to reach out. And it did take quite a while because there were some companies that just didn't get back to you. You know, they were already busy enough with their own things, weren't really looking for new work. They they kind of were just they were nearing that retirement stage, right? You think about the demographics of the ownership of these companies. Many of them are in their 50s, 60s. They're looking to retire soon. They're not looking to grow. They're not doing a ton of outbound. And so a few of those companies, it took multiple emails, multiple phone calls to finally get our foot in the door. And we definitely struggled a little bit because we announced the transition early without having secured all of our manufacturing partners. We had most of them lined up, but some of the pieces like headwear, for example, it was really hard to find a hat manufacturer in Canada. And so it took months and months and months of finally getting our foot in the door before we could actually start to put some of those in production. And so we lost out on you know quite a few months of no stock because we just didn't have the capabilities. But I think looking back, it was definitely one of the best decisions we've ever made as a company. Prior to that, we would just get a box of clothes that would show up on our doorstep and you know they'd have our logo on it and great, but we had no idea where they came from, how they were made, what the conditions were like, who was making them. And so it really kind of put a bit of a perspective for us in place that we needed to have a better understanding. We needed to do a better job of knowing how these are being made, what the quality is like, and what the conditions are like. And so, you know, when we talk about building community, when we talk about being socially conscious, we can't do that when we don't have oversight. And so manufacturing locally really does put that edge on the business that allows us to have a much bigger impact. So did you have to, I'm assuming there was some kind of interview process. Was it tough to really find, I mean, even the more specific, I guess, pieces of putting the garments together? Was there anything that you, I guess, a particular hurdle in the 
rounding up, so to speak, of the different manufacturers you're working with? I wouldn't say there was a ton. I mean, we definitely rely on one main manufacturing partner and they already had a lot of existing relationships. They've been around for a while. So that was fortunate for us. They had a lot of those existing relationships. They really helped. And they do a lot of cut and sew themselves. So they helped in some areas too. There were some garments that were just harder to do, like most active wear, right? Anything dry fit or anything super technical is difficult, but we do mostly casual clothing, right? So t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, not a huge problem to be able to find. And then, like I said, hats were the hardest part. And there are some products where it's just too difficult to find, or it's just too expensive, right? We had a request from a company. We were looking at vests that the price point was just too high for a Canadian vest for their liking. And I think that's one of the major problems that we run into being local manufacturing is the high cost of labor, right? Because people are used to buying stuff where the cost of labor is zero, right? People are being paid so little in countries far, far away. And they were like us when we first started, right? It just shows up at a package on their door or delivered by Amazon or whoever. And that's it, right? They have no sense of why the costing is what it is. And so I think we're slowly trying to educate customers to understand here's why what you're buying is priced so low. And it's because it's having a negative impact on those who are within that supply chain. And so by investing in higher quality, investing in something that is priced a little higher, you're actually making a bigger impact because for us, at least, you're employing your neighbors. And that's important. I tend to look at these types of things with a bit of rose-colored glasses, but I do think that a lot of people really are waking up to this and seeking out companies that are, I guess, doing things a little bit more personally and more mindfully. I know less and less people are getting less enamored with Amazon and trying to seek elsewhere. And when it comes to something as personal as clothing, you want something that you like. I mean, anyone can go and get like a whatever t-shirt, but fit comes into play and styling and getting those cookie cutter, I guess, brands just to get it as cheap as possible. You get what you pay for. Yeah, it's a bit of a dichotomy and we're seeing kind of, it's going in a bit of a fork in the road, right? And so in the one sense, there's brands like us who are starting to wake up to supply chain, who are starting to create more sustainable garments. You know, we're creating toques this year that are made of recycled pot bottles. Like that's more impactful, right? And then the other side of that is... I would say the rise of social media, right? You see on TikTok, here's my top Amazon finds or the new trend of, oh, check out this sheen order that I just got all these dresses for $5. So there is that race to the bottom, fast fashion as low as possible. But even companies like Sheen, right? They're being pressured to show a lot of their cards, right? How is it manufactured? Who are you employing? Show us your certifications. And they're getting a lot of pushback from that because, you know, quite frankly, if you're making something that low cost, you don't have all those. So I think, you know, we are starting to see kind of those those two paths. And I, I do believe that there will come an endpoint to that bottom one and that brands will be held accountable. But it's interesting to kind of see how this is all playing out, particularly in the past year with COVID. Has that affected you guys specifically? I mean, I would imagine there is some advantage to working with a lot of local companies. Yeah. I mean, it had a massive impact on us. You know, prior to March 2020, our revenue model was 70% coming from retail partners, you know, us selling wholesale to stores across Canada. We were stores all across Canada, national partners, you know, we were about 25, 30 stores across Canada. And just like that, you know, drop of a dime, that big chunk of our revenue just disappeared. But thankfully, the community, they really stepped up and wanted to support us. They wanted to support small business, local, but more importantly, they saw the need more so than ever to support Canadian made. Right. That became a huge theme for us and a lot of small businesses. And what shocked us the most is it was not only the end consumer that wanted to support us, but businesses, corporations, companies, they started to look at their own internal processing and their own sourcing practices and said, you know what? Maybe we can do a, a bit of a better job as well. So think of all the company swag and clothing and all those t-shirts with the company logo that people get for events and conferences. 
nobody likes those things. Nobody wants to wear them. They end up in your pajama pile, you know? So we tell people, you know, tell companies, stop making pajamas for your people. Create something that they actually want to wear that represents something, right? That aligns with your values, right? That speak to your company's values and what your company believes in. So a lot of companies are coming to us now to ask us to create different clothing lines for their employees, you know, create garments that, again, you know, consciously express their values as a company as a whole, but do it in such a way that's subtle that you don't make the employees feel like a walking billboard, right? And so this is kind of, you know, overtaking and, you know, really replacing that retail revenue, that retail model. And to be honest, like retail is just not quite ready yet for Canadian mate. The margins just aren't there because a lot of retailers have, you know, gotten fat off healthy margins of producing stuff overseas and not producing domestically. So we've kind of just put that to the side, never really went back through. So we have like one or two retail partners, but this idea that working with organizations that want to support local, want to support Canadian made, want to give back and ultimately create clothing that their employees want to wear. Uh, what a novel idea that is. And it's been one that has been really great for us. And so the pandemic, it hit us pretty hard, but we were able to bounce back pretty quickly. And because of it, we're two, three years ahead of where we would otherwise be. I feel like to even take that even further, that almost set you guys up to better achieve what you want in terms of community. I mean, I think it really, I guess, riled everyone up to support each other. And because the world is kind of, the connectivity has been stunted so that there is an opportunity to look at the people around you and say, okay, what does it mean to be a part of this community? I know that you guys also work with a lot of local artists too. And I mean, between working with, I guess, uh, larger companies in the area, local artists, you kind of get to be this perfect hub to bring people together. I mean, whether it's, you know, from an art standpoint or an entrepreneurial standpoint, or sure, a lot of other like mom and pop, I guess, more experiential businesses in Calgary and the area. How did you start those partnerships? Was it, I guess, hounding the pavement, kind of dreaming things up, realizing that if you're making garments, things can go on at different logos, different designs. What was it like to, I guess, start building that business to business community? It's a lot simpler than it seems. The reality is, you know, how do you build a community? You build it by one real relationship at a time, one personal relationship at a time. I think so many people who operate in the business space, they operate on transactional relationships. You know, you buy from me, I give you a product, you give me money, see it never. And maybe, or maybe they have outstanding customer service, white glove delivery from end to end. But when it comes time to, you know, their suppliers, it's, I need this now, get this for me now. You know, where we, our philosophy is really, you know, a holistic approach. Every single person who touches local laundry in some form or fashion, whether you're a customer or not, we want to have a real relationship with, you know, so if you're a customer, great, you know, send us an email, let us add a note, let us make something special. Let's toss in a box of Girl Guide cookies, you know, because this is a birthday gift. But even if we have suppliers, we have a ton of suppliers from all different avenues, from paper printing to cut and sew to you name it. But we might not be some of their biggest clients, but you better believe we're their favorite. And sometimes it's just as simple as saying thank you. They say, you know what? We love the local laundry team so much because they're our only client that says thank you. To our lawyers, our accountants, our team members, right? Even the people that have never bought from us before, someone reaches out. My favorite phone calls we get on the local laundry line are like the people our parents' age who are calling. They don't know really how to order online and they're just looking for like some questions about sizing. I'll spend like an hour 
you know, with one little old lady on the phone and make sure that she's got the perfect, you know, and maybe she never doesn't end up ordering, you know, but we just value those relationships. Cause I remember when I was just starting this, I was begging anyone to pay attention to local laundry. I was all over social media. Hey, check us out, check us out, anything. And so even when someone comes with a nasty complaint, customer or otherwise, it's like, man, people are engaging with us. They see the same thing that we're seeing the vision and they just want to help. And they're offering this piece of feedback that can make us better. So long story short, you know, in order to really build a community around your brand, you have to care about every single relationship that touches that brand, you know, every single stakeholder. And that can't just be the customers. Customers are a big part of it. It can't just stop there. I feel that so, so deeply, especially the humble, I guess, beginnings of really trying to get in anyone's ear and just have someone hear you out. It's remarkable because going through, you know, your site and just like doing a bit of research, just trying to find out more about local laundry on my own before we, uh, sat down and talk. It's amazing how effortless you guys have made your branding seem and just really inclusive too, just from what you do to who you work with and how it all comes together. Even I saw that you guys have your own podcast as well. And I was kind of looking into it. I thought that was really cool because I mean, again, like a clothing brand can be a clothing brand and fashion forward, but working in the community piece that kind of makes the reason for what you're putting together. Yeah, not only has the podcast been a great way to connect people, but we've created other things that just kind of bring, don't really bring revenue to the business, but just kind of serve our own need to connect and chat with people. And, you know, we host different uh, entrepreneur meetups, right? We call it Startup and Beers, where we all get together and all the business owners see how we can help each other. During the pandemic was when we couldn't host events. We started a, a business book club which has really kind of taken off because there's so many entrepreneurs and like, look, we all got a thousand books on our shelves that we never get to read. And so it's like, well, let's all keep each other accountable. Let's read the same business book. Let's discuss it at the end of the month, you know? So all these little ways, because this is, I think as human beings, we all crave community. We all crave connection, right? And, you know, local owner has always just been the vehicle for that. And so it's just been a tool for us to connect with other like-minded people that want to create something, that want to grow something and want to give back somehow. So uh, yeah, the podcast, the meetups, the book club, the charitable initiatives, they're all just bonuses, right? The side effects of local honor that we're eternally grateful for. With that, so there are a lot of apparel brands, clothing brands, fashion brands out there. Do you find it difficult to compete with them or I guess fight off the noise? You guys have an X Factor, so there's a lot of different toys you can play with there to get ahead, but what's that like? It is. I mean, it's definitely probably one of the easiest industries to get into, right? I mean, Connor, we had no experience before. Connor typed in a Google search, watched a YouTube video an hour later, had a t-shirt company, right? So the barrier to entry is very, very, very low. But I think to actually grow and get above the noise and be able to get to a certain level, that gets harder and harder. And you have to have some sort of substance, right? Your brand has to have something other than just selling t-shirts. And that's for us, we've always said, you know, we're not in the business of selling t-shirts, we're in the business of building community. And it really does just kind of snowball, right? It, it started with collaborating with other local businesses. That was a way for us to kind of get our name out there and meet other people. And from there, it's just kind of figuring out what that next piece is that we can do to try and build community. And so it's definitely competitive. We've never considered ourselves a fashion brand because it's, it's not even a space we want to compete in. We just want to make cool clothes that people want to wear and try and build community and build relationships. And I think the more relationships we can build and the more community we can build and the more impact we can make, the better we are. But I think that's one of the favorite things that we always get is customer responses. The one common theme that we always get is I love what you guys are doing, right? People will always talk about your great t-shirt, the quality is great, love it, so cozy, so comfy. But the thing we always hear the most of is I love what you guys are doing. 
So it's not even about the product, it's about what our brand is doing. And I think that's what most companies in a saturated market don't do well enough. But if you're starting a company that's going to compete with thousands and thousands and thousands of other companies, you have to have something different that is going to stand out. Yeah. I mean, even taking that a little bit further, it's so clear that you guys are doing more than that. You know, I mean, you go to your website and it's not just t-shirts and sweatshirts. There's always something. It's that plus, oh, check out this. Whether it's like a collaboration or the podcast or, you know, like you were saying, some sort of meetup, something like that. So was creating the social enterprising piece of it, I guess the more philanthropic side of local laundry, was that after the fact or did you know that you wanted to kind of come in and give back in that way? I was baked in right from the very start, you know, right from the very beginning. It was at the core of everything that we wanted to do. You know, we kind of saw firsthand, you know, money isn't everything. Don't want to be the guys that just can make as much money as we can and, and get out. The things that Dustin and I are really good at is, like I said, those relationships, right? And we wanted to be able to give back and connect with others, right? And build that community around it. So right, right from the very beginning, it was baked in. It's evolved, you know, over time. It's had different variations in its evolution on how we can refine it and make it that much more impactful and meaningful for everyone. But it was there right from the very beginning. I mean, you know, one of the first times we ever made a donation to a charity, I think it was a hundred dollars to food bank, local food bank here. And, and, you know, a hundred dollars was like the donation for the over like two, three months. And this was like a big deal for us. And we bought a bunch of food at the grocery store to go make a donation down the food bank. And they rolled out the red carpet and Dust and I, we thought we were like walking down this parade of everyone like clapping with our two boxes of food. And, and we go into the warehouse and we were like, yeah, yeah, put it here. Like, thank you so much. This is amazing. And like, they were like, seriously like so short of just pulling out like a banner and like confetti and everything and we go into the warehouse with our two boxes of food and we just look around and there's just like mountains of food everywhere and like our donation was just like a drop in the bucket you know it was nothing in the grand scheme of things in comparison but just the how appreciative these people were it meant so much to us and it meant so much that these people would you know showcase their appreciation for us for a really teeny teeny tiny little donation and it just went and really dug deep and hit home for us that you know what it's not about how much you give back it's not about how much you donate it's not about it doesn't matter it's just about the fact that you do and so we really want to be kind of thought leaders in the space that just because you are a small business doesn't mean that you're having a small impact that you can create a really big impact on your local community in a lot of different ways. And it doesn't have to be, you know, writing million dollar checks. It can be all different things, organizing volunteer events. We organize a towel drive, you know, our one for one program with our giving garments or toques and socks. Yeah. And it can be monetary as well, but even sometimes just resharing and telling the story and using your company, using your podcast, your blogs as a vehicle and a platform for these causes to share their story and reach a wider audience. Sometimes that has a bigger impact than, you know, just simply cutting a check, right? So there's uh, lots of different ways that, that you can do back. And we want to showcase that it doesn't matter how big or small you are. You can just Google a t-shirt company, whip something up in an hour and give back and have a big impact, right? So those that are out there that are waiting till they're really big until they can write those million dollar checks, like you start from day one. Start now. And I have to say, that's my favorite thing about business is that it's malleable, right? You can do whatever you want. You can change whatever you want. You can try whatever you want. There's no rule book, right? You can create whatever it is that you want. And so it's important that you're starting at the onset, but it doesn't mean that you can't 
change things later and improve things later and make things better. We started with 10% of profits which go back to local charities. Turns out four years later, we gave far more than 10%. So we kind of changed that and just had it more specific to we want to raise a million dollars for local charities. And then you know we had four pillars of building community and we added a fifth, which is everything we do is made here in Canada, right? It's locally sourced. So things change and things evolve and things develop. The one thing I will say though is I can't overstate the importance of partnerships. And as Connor put relationships, right? Whether that is your manufacturing partner, whether that's your marketing agency, relationships are so important. And I'm enamored at the way that Connor can strike up a conversation, can strike up a relationship and and can nurture that. I think that's one area where we sort of balance our strengths and weaknesses, right? That's what Connor's good at. And Connor mentioned earlier in the podcast, when I came on board and helped turn us into a big boy company, I mean, we often joke that if it was just Connor running the show, he'd give the company away because he's so nice, which is true, right? He's laughing. So it's a balance, right? Connor comes in with that and he does an incredible job at building community and really living that mission. And if it was just me running the show, we'd probably be less good at that. Maybe you know, good at the business parts, but less good at that. And so partnerships are important because they help balance. Everyone has different skill sets. Everyone has different experience. And so I came in with, sure, maybe a little bit more process-minded and structure-minded. And I came in with a little bit of background in kind of that social entrepreneurship, social innovation. So I came in with some metrics and reporting and made sure we were tracking all our donations and we could have it reported to see how much. But it sometimes takes two, right? So we meet a ton of entrepreneurs who are out there struggling because they're trying to do it all by themselves. But you can't accomplish it by yourself, right? Or you can, but it's going to take you a lot longer and it's going to be a lot harder. Find those people, whether it is a business partner or whether it is someone else running a business who can partner with your business to help. It just goes such a long way. And building that community around you is just so essential to help in your success. Thank you for the kind words, this, but it, it definitely is twofold, you know, because you can have the best vision, the best heart, and the best intentions and want to give everything to all the charities. But if you're not going to be around very long if you don't have a solid grasp of numbers, solid grasp on your financials. You know, there's so many business owners that are just terrified to look at their bank account or just, you know, do the old Connor trick where it's like, well, I think we got, you know, do the math in your head where, okay, I think we got more money coming in than going out. We're good. I don't need to check it. And that's where a lot of businesses, you know, they have all the heart, right? But that's where you need someone like Dustin, right? Who knows his numbers, knows how to make sure that we're making money and that we're not losing money and to set us up for success in order so we can reach those goals to donate a million dollars. So if you don't have that, you know, you're dead in the water. And we see so many businesses that best of intentions, they look great, but ultimately they fail or don't go anywhere. And that's the first thing I say is like, you know what? I know why they failed. They didn't have a Dustin. They needed a Dustin. So it's this perfect mixture and balance and combination that we've discovered. But then also, you know, rounding out the team with all of our other great team members, right? I mean, 70% of our customers are women, right? And we talk to Dustin and I as wives, like we know the first thing about women. So a lot of our team members, they come by, they know how to speak to our community, they know the messaging, they know what kind of clothes to fit and the feel of it and everything. So it really, really is a team effort. You know, this would be an incredibly lonely journey to go by yourself without having a team members, you know, the team to support you, pick you up when you're down, bring you back down when you're too high and to really keep this rocket ship motoring, you know, teamwork makes the dream work. Thank God you guys are having these entrepreneurial meetups because you literally touch base on pretty much everything that has at least been a common theme for people coming on to say like, oh, you need this. But um, even I feel like that goes way beyond even into life, like relationships are really at the end of the day, all that we have. And if you don't do anything to nurture those, if you don't like acknowledge that, no, the cliche, no person's an island, like that's all too real. And with in terms of working with each other or even just collaboration or I guess acknowledging 
that nothing exists in isolation, that is huge, enormous. Have you guys thought about growing beyond what you're doing? I mean, it seems like you have your foot in a lot of things that have potential for some pretty crazy growth. Do you have any, I guess, a vision beyond being a garment manufacturer slash, I guess, community hub? It's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to take over the world, man, one t-shirt at a time. And, and we're going to do it in an extremely socially conscious way that's both inclusive and builds community. So we have absolutely massive, massive hopes. What we want to do is we want to grow this thing long and slow. We want to grow it the right way. One of the other things we notice about entrepreneurs is that nobody wants to build a business anymore. They want instant gratification. They want to be tech millionaires by tomorrow, right? They want, you know, raise hundreds of millions of dollars and have a billion dollar buyout. Where us, we kind of take up a different approach. We have no investors, no long-term debt. We bootstrap this whole thing. Dustin and I have only ever put in like a thousand bucks each. That was five, six years ago. The company's been self-sufficient ever since, which is crazy. And we want to continue that journey. I think we can get to a certain size without, uh, you know, any external help. And we don't see why this can't be, you know, one of the top brands in North America from a socially conscious perspective. And so, yeah, we're going to continue to keep doing what we do. And the notion, one of our favorite things is the notion of compound interest, right? Every year we get a little bit better, a little bit better. And the effects that it has, those relationships that we're building, you know, the investment we're making in our team and everything else, it's they're slowly, slowly, slowly paying off. And that idea of compound interest, I mean, we're just going to keep growing and getting bigger and better and better and better slowly. But I mean, over time, we're building the foundation, right? We're getting all the pieces in place to build this tower of socially conscious clothing. Because a lot of people just miss that. They grow way too fast and they don't have that foundation properly set, right? It's a growth at all costs mindset seems to be the flavor of today when it comes to entrepreneurship. And so we have big aspirations, absolutely. But it's just going to take time to get there and that's okay. As long as you can enjoy the journey, you know? That's the important thing. I mean, who wants to work, you know, 80, 90, 100 hours a week? We can probably get where we want to go 10 times faster if we just never saw our family and only ate Hot Pockets all day and just hung out in our basements together. But I mean, we both got in this business to give ourselves and the people around us a life that we want to live, right? That's spending time with family. One of our core values is life first, right? Your family comes first. Your life comes first. This is just a, a byproduct of your life because life is short, man, and things come and go, you know? But one of my favorite sayings is you can love your business all day long, but your business will never love you back. It's incapable of love. So we're doing this. We're having fun. We're enjoying our lives. We're enjoying our time with our family. Not to say that it's easy. Not to say that it's without stress, but we're building the life that we want to build. And if that means, you know, we're not going to get to a hundred million next year and a thousand employees, then what's wrong with that? You guys are just, you know, seriously avoiding its own headache. You know, once you get to a certain point, actually, when you guys were talking about feeding off each other, I was thinking about that is you give yourself an opportunity to not be beating your head against the wall, trying to figure out something that might never be a strong suit. You know, even thinking about with my other two partners, like we are wired just differently enough where we have that same complementary piece. I offer the creative muscle. We have like each like give our piece to the puzzle. And it, that's what it is. It's a puzzle. No one has all the pieces. 
Exactly. And there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, right? And if you want to finally complete that puzzle, whatever that complete is, for some people, it's exiting in five years. For some people, it's growing a hundred year company for some, like it's different for everyone, right? But you kind of get to determine. And we've decided that, you know, for us, we're not in a rush to complete the puzzle. That's the fun part, right? Is doing the puzzles. We're not in a rush to finish it. And we want to enjoy ourselves while we're doing it. And we don't feel the need to bring in a bunch of other people to quickly give us more pieces of the puzzle. We're fine doing it ourselves. We don't need outside investment or outside capital for now. You know, Connor talked about it being definitely something that is enjoyable. And we, we often talk about, we want people to be doing their life's work, right? And we don't want people coming into the business, working 90 hours, completely stressed, burnt out and churning out employees. We're, we're pretty proud of the fact that, you know, all of our employees have actually worked for us before. They were contractors and they came to us because they wanted to work for us and they eventually turned into employees. And we get people reaching out to us all the time who are looking for work. And it's just a, I guess, a less stress way, but it's a more fun way to build a business. And we often talk about, we want to build a hundred year company, right? So we're not in a rush to get it done tomorrow. We've got, you know, it's only been five years. We've got 95 years left. Slow and low. Keeps you sane too. Is there anything right now that you guys are particularly working on that you're excited? Anything new or just, I guess, building what you already have going on? Definitely. Dustin's been doing some great work pushing us in the sustainability piece, both from a product perspective and from a little thing called B Corp. So I don't know, Dustin, if you want to share about our Tooks and B Corp. Sure. Yes. I touched on it a little bit, but we're kind of going through a big transition. And so we did a bit of a supply chain slash fiber analysis to kind of determine what our current environmental impact was. And we kind of discovered we use a lot of synthetic fibers, which, you know, is not a problem, but there's a lot better options out there. And so we started exploring, you know, organic cotton and bamboo. And that's actually our main seller right now is an organic cotton and bamboo. Bamboo is far more sustainable in terms of fabric, requires less water to grow. It grows quicker. It's a lot better on the environment. And then we started to look at some other options, right? What kind of other eco fabrics are out there and how can we integrate? And so for a bit of perspective, in 2019, our eco fabrics were roughly... 0.96% of all of our sales. In 2020, Ecofabrics accounted for about 42% of all of our sales and will be over the 50% mark this year. So more than 50% of all of our sales will be with Ecofabrics. So slowly kind of starting a transition. And uh, our Tukes, we're kind of excited for this year. We transitioned away from acrylic, which has been our traditional material, over to a recycled polyester. So it's completely made from recycled pot bottles. So there's a lot of really cool things happening in the garment industry, in the fabric space. And I think it's, again, we go back to when we really took a look at the impact that we're making. How can we improve upon our environmental impact? And so we started last year, we carbon offset all of our orders that we ship out online. We're, we're exploring some other options in terms of being able to do an actual impact report. So per garment, soon we'll be able to tell you exactly what we're doing with that garment, the impact it's making. So how much emissions we're reducing, what the actual impact is by buying that. And we'll have that down to a per garment basis. So when you're online, you can actually see, okay, if I'm buying this shirt, here's the impact that I'm having on the environment, on the planet, on people. And then from a B2B perspective, when we're selling to larger customers, you know, we're in Calgary, it's the oil capital of the world, right? We get all the head offices for all the oil and gas companies. They're pretty strong on ESG, right? Trying to reduce their emissions. And so here we can actually give them a scorecard of, okay, here's actually what you were able to do from an impact perspective. And that's pretty valuable to a lot of companies who are looking at transitioning and trying to make a bigger impact with their own supply chain. So it's been a lot of work. It's been a big undertaking. But I think, you know, in a couple of years, like we talked about before, it's going to be table stakes, right? Every company that's in the clothing industry will have to have some sort of sustainability metrics, sustainability goals. And so we're just getting started. So 
As Connor alluded to, we did apply for B Corp. Uh, we're just going through that process now. They're a little bit backlogged because they had a record number of applications last year and we're proud to be one of them. So hopefully, fingers crossed that uh, when we do get selected for our assessment, that uh, we'll be proud to be B Corp certified, which really does just give you that backing, right? That's your social proof. They're a big organization that will hold you accountable. So if you are making claims that you are socially conscious, you're environmentally responsible, they're going to hold you accountable to a scorecard and actually give you a ranking on how good you're actually doing. And so I think that for us is really exciting because we talk about doing all these great things. We certainly focus on them and and a lot of our efforts go towards them. But what's our score going to be, right? How well are we actually doing as a benchmark in comparison to a lot of these other companies? That's enormous. I mean, even alone, just to have that, I guess, baseline and, and knowing that you want to get to X, I mean... To my knowledge, I haven't talked to anyone who's really doing that kind of tracking in terms of environmental impact, which it sounds like you're doing it on a very like zoomed in level each step of your production process. So that alone is credible. Would you, I guess, have that for the customers when they're on their site, they can kind of see like, oh, this sale is offsetting X amount. So the goal is for us, yes, the work that we're doing towards it will eventually get us to a position where you can actually see when you're clicking and looking at a product or even in your checkout, you can actually see the impact that you're making with that purchase. So it'll show you, oh, awesome. This t-shirt actually reduces this much emissions because it wasn't shipped from overseas. It's local manufacturing. It was made under these regulations, blah, blah, blah. Everything we have in the supply chain, and it'll show you what the reduction is versus industry standard. And then something like a toque, for example, right? You can see, okay, this toque is actually reducing however many pop bottles. Oh, this t-shirt is saving 3,000 liters of water because it's recycled versus virgin cotton. And so we'll actually be able to go down to, on a per unit basis, what that impact is. That's amazing. I really haven't heard of anyone doing anything that really transparent. I mean, per order. Obviously, you know, people list things they're doing and they write it into the description, but to actually show the metric, that's pretty groundbreaking, especially in an industry that's known for waste and known to have a lot of these issues worked in. It doesn't seem like you guys are just going to be the first. It seems like you're going to help pioneer. I hope we certainly encourage others to do it and try and push things forward. And again, it's putting where your money where your mouth is. We can talk about it all day long, but let's actually have some proof in the pudding to show that we're actually doing this. And I think that's the important piece too, right? You get a lot of these big brands that they do a lot of this greenwashing, but let's actually show some stats behind it. And so I, I wish we could say the first, I wish we could say we're the pioneer, but we're certainly not. There's others out there doing it. But uh, I think that if we can be a bit of an early mover to this and take a bit more of that leadership position. If we can encourage other businesses and other brands to do the same, I mean, we'd be thrilled. I wish we had more time to even just go in on that. I mean, almost like you're prototyping the idea too. You have an opportunity to even expand on and make it better, take it to places that probably no one even thought of yet. Um, environmental action built into like manufacturing, things like that. I personally am interested in that. So that is like, I'm there. I guess to kind of just shift it over slightly into the social enterprising piece of what you're doing. What have you been digging into? What approaches have you been taking to stay on your a million dollar donation by 2030 goal? 
That's a really good question. It's tough, right? Because we're our focus this year has been sort of that transition to sustainability. We're still a small team with with four people full time. So to be able to do it all at once is impossible. And we've tried and that didn't work out so well. So I think that's something that once we get through a lot of the sustainability, once we get this D-Corp, I think one of my projects is to try and put a bit more of a plan and process in place for how we start to achieve that. Because right now, it's just based on different campaigns, right? So we run different campaigns with different individuals and organizations, and we'll run a collaboration. So our latest one with a company, a local credit union here called ATB. We ran pride sweaters. And so there's a dollar amount from every sweater that we sold online that went towards a local charity. We ran something with the Olympics where it was Canadian summer athletes, crewnecks and money from those crewnecks actually went back to the individual athletes themselves. And so we're always doing different campaigns where we're trying to raise funds for different organizations and then exploring things like, you know, could we do a kickback per garment, right? So this sweater online, $2 from every sale of the sweater goes back for easier tracking. But then we have our giving garments, right? So for our toques that we are doing for the recycled pot bottles this year, they're part of our giving garments program. And so for every toque we sell, we donate one to shelter. We do the same thing with our giving socks. And so there's different programs in there where with the garments itself, we're actually able to give back through the sale of the garment. And that's always been our strategy is we do what we can by selling clothes, right? We sell clothes, we're able to raise funds, we're able to give back, and that's always our vehicle. So we don't have a great system or process in place to allow for that to just kind of happen automatically. It just happens through collaborations. It happens through the different programs that we have in place. And I think there's definitely a bigger opportunity to go a lot further with that. That's almost even better that if it almost seems like it's such business as usual, that it's just like we are headed this way one way or the other. And, you know, keeping pace, it seems like the wind is blowing you in that direction anyway. That's almost our strategy right now is, hey, let's keep doing what we're doing. Eventually we'll get there. That's the hope. So I think we need a little bit more of a target action plan in place to make sure that we're keeping accountable to our yearly goals in order to get there. But I'm fully confident that based on what we're doing now, we'll have no problem getting there. For everything that you guys have built and the direction you've been going in just five years, it kind of seems like, you know, it's really all uphill from here or downhill from here rather. I wish we had more time. We are coming to an end. I got one more for you. What has been the best part? Uh, I guess you guys can answer this separately uh, if it's you know personal for each, but what has been the best part, the most meaningful part and the most rewarding part of just building local laundry and like really being able to build a serious community around it? We keep going back to it, but it's those relationships, right? I think the biggest thing uh, for me is the people we met along the way. You know, it wasn't for local laundry, we wouldn't be sitting here chatting with this lovely fellow from Burlington, Vermont. I didn't even know Burlington was a place prior to this call. So just, I mean, these things, this local laundry is almost, it's like this lens you get to view the world through. It's this way that we get to experience the world and it's the way that connects us and, and makes us better and helps us share and it all helps everyone grow. And I mean, if local laundry would fold up tomorrow, I would be so much richer, you know, not from a financial perspective, but really from a knowledge and emotional perspective that I could die happy in 40, 50 years, knowing that what we've achieved just so far in what we've done is maybe the happiest person in the world, you know? So it's, I think it's just a sense of fulfillment and the sense of, you know, connection with all these other people doing all these incredible things, businesses or podcasts or artists or nonprofits. So it's just, that's been hands down the best part. And then I never have to buy clothes again. Uh, we also get to make our own cool, comfy t-shirts, hoodies and sweaters and hats. And who doesn't like that? It's true. I've got a similar answer, right? There's just a certain sense of fulfillment that comes from creating something. And, and not only that, but creating something that people like and creating something that actually gives back. And I think that's the piece that when I first met Connor, fun fact, we were total strangers. It was a random coffee connection that, that brought us together. Connor had started the brand when he was in Europe doing his MBA. 
he moved back to Calgary and I had been working for a promotional company at the time. And so a mutual friend just put us in touch. And a couple of coffees later, we started dating put this to the test. And then, you know, a couple months after that, we made it official and we got married, signed the incorporation documents. But it's just incredible to be able to build something that people appreciate and people like. And those customer feedback, customer emails you get that say, keep up the great work. You know, I love what you're doing is is really neat. And the other thing too, that I always find that's so incredible about this journey is how much you learn. And it's about everything, right? You learn so much about people, so much about business, so much about the economy, so much about everything. The one kind of neat story that we've seen over the past little while is all this excitement, at least in Canada, started to come when people started to get vaccinated and then double vaccinated and all this talk about things opening up and things went back to normal and people were elated and we saw it in our online sales, right? They started to go up. People were just so excited. And then you started to see all this talk about Delta variant and concerns and questions around and then sales started to tick down a little bit. And so there's so much to do with psychology and what's going on in the whole economy and with consumer mindset. And it's just so fascinating to be able to be in a position where you get to see that happen through, you know, through your sales, through your online stores, through your whole business performance. And so for me, it's just that there's just so much to learn and there's so much that's out there for opportunity. And I honestly just think that we're just scratching the surface and that there is so much opportunity out there for us to continue to grow and continue to make a bigger impact. And I honestly think we're just getting started. So to me, it's just, it's incredibly exciting. I'm sorry that we missed that. What sounds like the most romantic and lovely meeting of the minds to create such a great organization. Damn, I'm sorry I missed that. Guys, it was incredible to have you on. I'm so appreciative that I got to get walked through what local laundry is, how it came to be your how and your why with it. For anyone who's listening and wants to maybe grab some garments themselves, follow, I guess, you guys and what you're up to, join in whatever meetup is coming their way. Where's the best place for them to head? Yeah. On all our socials, we're at Local Laundry. Online, we're localaundry.com or localaundry.ca if you're in Canada. And feel free to drop us a message. We're always happy to chat to anyone and everyone who's interested. And we'd love to hear from you. And thank you, Matt, for playing such a big part in promoting all these great local brands and what you and your team do. It really goes a long way and it's, it doesn't go unnoticed for sure. I mean, this is how we were able to be, you know, grow our smidgen of success was by the support of the community. And so if you get the opportunity to work with someone, you know, south of the border and start to build community there, and it's an incredible opportunity. And it's been nothing but five star working with you guys since day one. So big thank you for reaching out. Oh, man. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure over here, too. All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, Ready Eddie podcast listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, then I would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie podcast. I'll catch you next week.